There I was on death row, guilty in the first degree. Son of God hanging on a hill, hell was my destiny. The crowd was shouting crucify, could have come from these lips of mine. The dirty shame was killing me. It would take a miracle to wash me clean. And then I read the red letters and the ground began to shake. The prison wall a free man that day Felt like lightning hit my veins And my dead heart began to beat Breath of God filled my lungs And the Holy Ghost awakened
way your blood was shed for me, there's no greater love than this. You have overcome the grave, your glory fills the highest place. What can separate me now? At the cross I bow my shed for me there's no greater love than this you have overcome the grave the glory fills the highest place what can separate me now you told the
good to see all of you here this morning. Um, they asked me this morning if I would come and pray for Daryl and uh, for all of you guys before service started, and I was glad to do that. Um, just real quick before he does get started, I wanted to just share, uh, we've talked this morning in youth class, we've been talking a lot about making an impact. How can we as youth group members, how can we as youth group leaders, how can we as a church make an impact on other people? And so we had six or seven steps there that just kind of laid it out, uh, laid it out for everyone there, you know, how you make an impact on somebody else. And the very first thing it said was love one another, you know, that's, and that's where it starts. And uh, sorry, I'm emotional. They asked me to do this. They didn't tell me that was a song they were going to sing before we got up here. And um, all I can think about was the impact that song's had on my life. Um, I still remember when Daryl's daughter, Sarah, was up here, and they were going through a time, and she sang that song, and I won't forget it. Like, she broke down singing that song because of things that were going on in her life. And she may look back at that and say, look, I didn't do a very good job because I broke down singing it, but that left more of an impact on me because of how God used her through that. And it just shows that even in our failures, you know, God uses us through those things. And um, even in mine, he still uses me with them to try to prove what an impact he's had on my life and what he can do for them. So we're going to pray this morning for Daryl and for all of us that God can continue to use us and let us grow in this time here in this church. Dear God, thank you for today. Uh, just thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning, to just love you and worship you. God, there's no greater gift than, for, than what you gave us with your son, Lord. I hope that we can just truly realize this is an opportunity that not everyone is afforded, that we can be here today, that we can listen to your word, that we can grow in your word, but more importantly, that we can just let others see you in us, Lord, that we can be Christ-like in how we walk and how we pray and how we listen and how we love others. And uh, as we come to this time of, of uh, just listening to what Daryl has to say, as we, as we come to this time of just trying to grow closer to you, Lord, and deeper in what you have for us, Lord, I pray that you will just uh, use that to, to not only grow this church, but this community and then, and then in this country and just help us reach others that just do not know you in that way. Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, usually almost every week we talk, we're going through the book of Matthew on Sundays. We are at Matthew chapter 4, but if you got your email and read it, we are going to take a break right there at Matthew chapter 4. Just a couple weeks, uh, Matthew 4 starts the temptation of Jesus. I think that's a good time to take a break, just a few weeks. So we're going to look at this story, Old Testament story, 2 Kings chapter 6. 8 through 23, 2 Kings chapter 6, 8 through 23, and the title uh, screen, you can see this is Elisha when he saw the hills full of angels and the chariots of fire and the horses, and he prayed, Lord, uh, let my servant see what I see, and I've been dealing with this story for about a month, maybe a month and a half, and all preachers deal with this is when they believe the Lord's trying to speak to us, the question is, Lord, is that for me or is that for someone else? And there is a difference. And so for about a month and a half, it's just been for me. This is the Lord trying to show me things. Nothing wrong with that. There are some things he's, he's shown me and trying to show me that I'm not going to share. But for this week and, and next week, if the Lord wills, and I don't know about week three or four, but this week and, and next week, there's some things I want to share from this story to you, for you, 
okay, with you. So, okay, 2 Kings chapter 6, 8 through 23, but while you're getting there and and I want to. We do want to put one scripture on the screen. Corinthians four eighteen, and that this this is uh, applicable. Paul said to the Corinthian church, "While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, right? Things which are seen are temporary. Everything that you see, feel, touch." is going to pass away. The things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And I don't know how it affects you, but there are a whole lot of things that you cannot see that are still very, very real. And I know that sounds strange to a lot of pe- people, and a lot of people make fun of that. That's okay. It doesn't, re- doesn't take away from the truth of it. So we're going to look at a true story 2 Kings chapter 6, 8 through 23. Just a little, very little bit of background because the scripture pretty much explains itself. Elisha is a uh, prophet to the nation of Israel. And uh, they have an enemy in Syria. And so the Syrians and the Israelites are at war. Elisha is an Israelite prophet. And God is speaking to Elisha and telling him what the Syrians are going to do. And Elisha relates that to the king of, king of Israel. So every time Syria tries to make a move, Elisha tells the king of Israel what move they're going to make. The king of, king of Syria thinks, well, I have a, uh, oh, I, have, I have, have a traitor in the midst. So they said, no, 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 you don't. God is speaking to Elisha, and he's telling the king of Israel, everything you're trying to do. All right, let's, let's go ahead and start reading. Now the king of Syria, verse 8, was making war against Israel. And he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God, that's, that is Elisha, the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him, Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. So this happened again and again. Verse 11, Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of you is for the king of Israel? Which, you know, which of you is a traitor, is what he's asking. And one of the servants said, None, my lord, O king. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. Okay, everything you whisper. You're in your bedroom, you whisper something to your wife or a counselor. God hears that and tells Elisha about it, and he tells the king of Israel. Verse 13, so he said, go and see where he is. Go see where Elisha is that I might send and get him. And it was told him, saying, Surely he, he is in Dothan. Therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came, pay attention to this sentence, and they came by night and surrounded the city. You've got that, right? So the Syrians find out that Elisha is in Dothan. They came by night before the next day, is what I want to, want to tell you, They came by night before the next day, and they surrounded the city. 
And when the, uh, verse 15, when the servant of the man of God, so Elisha's servant, arose early and went out, there was an army, so the army of the Syrians, right? There was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, so the servant Elisha said to Elisha, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Master, what shall we do? Verse 16, so Elisha answered, don't fear, do not fear. Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. 17, and Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes, open my servant's eyes that he may see. We'll deal more with that next week, if the Lord wills. I can't see that far, so I say, if the Lord wills, because I don't know it, but I hope it. Open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And the implication is that there's an angel in every chariot. So the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha, and all around the enemy. So wherever the enemy was encamped around the city of Dothan, if you can imagine in your mind, and we you know, tried our best to find a picture that kind of somewhat, but who can tell what that looked like? But as, a, as the enemy, the Syrians were camped around the city of Dothan, around them, almost like a ring around them, were, were the horses and the chariots of fire and the angels there, and Elisha said, Lord, open his eyes that he can see what other people aren't seeing, but I see it, but I see it. Okay. So now from 18 on, uh, next week I, I'm probably not going to read this. From 18 on, I just want to, the, the only point I want to make here, because that's really verse 16 is where we'll come back to. But the only one point I want to make from 18 on is what Elisha did as a result of this. So they're surrounded by an enemy, but there's the angels surrounding them. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Now Elisha said to them, so all the soldiers, the Syrian, the, the Syrian army is blind. And Elisha said to them, this is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria, which is the capital of Israel. So he leads the Syrian army into the city of their enemy, the Israelites, and into the center of the capital of Samaria. So it was when they had come to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, now open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw, and there they were inside Samaria. So now they were surrounded by the enemy who is, who is, who is, who is Israel. Now when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, my father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? But he answered, you shall not kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken captive with your sword and your bow? Set food and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. Then he prepared a great feast for them. And after they ate and drank, he sent them away and they went to their master. So 
the bands of Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. Going back to verse 16, and there's an outline of this message on the backside of your announcements. The next uh, screen, back to verse 16. Master, what shall we do? Is this direction? There's, there's two ways to look at the question. What, was he, what did the servant have in his mind when he asked the question to, to Elisha? Master, what shall we do? You kind of got the context of it. You kind of know where he was. Elisha could see what the servant could not see. So in asking the question, Master, what sh shall we do? He was, it's, it's either coming from a sense of, I need direction, or this is desperation. You see that? There's two ways to ask the question. What was on his mind? Was it direction? Like, what should I do? Or is it desperation? What are we going to do? There's no hope. What, what are we going to do? That's desperation. Direction is not what he was asking for. That's actually why I read the last part. That's actually what Elisha had. Direction. He was able to see. He was able, okay, this is what I do next. God let him know, this is what you do. You do I'm going to strike them blind. We're going to go to Samaria. Elisha, this is what you do next. That's direction. Somewhere during the night, somewhere at some point, Elisha had got along with God, and he'd asked God the same thing. Master, what, what shall I do? I'm not afraid because I see those who are for us are much more than those who are against us. I'm, I'm not afraid. So, Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do next? In uh, Acts chapter 9 is a perfect example of direction. Paul has uh, met the Lord on the road to Damascus. Great thing to, to ask or great thing to say after being saved. That, so Paul, so he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? That's, that's it. That, that's, that's what I want you to see. That's, that's what Paul asked. So really the, the first thing he asked Jesus after his con conversion is, Lord, what do you want me to do? That's direction. Matt, if you don't mind, let's go backward to the, the screen we were just on. So, Master, what shall we do? It's not direction. It's desperation. God, what do I do? God, now what do I do? Desperation. God, I don't know what to do. I don't know... I, all I see, Lord, is the enemy. And all I see is there's no way out. I see the enemy surrounding my town. Now, it, you know what I'm doing, right? We're kind of leaving the story, the Old Testament story of Elisha and his servant, and putting it on to us, right? I see the enemy surrounding my town, or I see the enemy surrounding my home or I see the enemy surrounding me and I mean surrounding and so I just don't see any way out I don't know what can I don't know what can be done okay now what I want you to see really there's only one thing everything I want to say is going to surround this one thing uh, right here I'm not going to give you three points I'm not going to give you five points I'm going to give you this one and I want everything to surround that. I want you to leave with this thought. I want you to get and see from this story 
that, uh, and that's why I emphasize that the enemy was actually surrounded the city the night before the servants saw them. And so the, the, uh, the horses and the chariots of fire had been there the night before. They were already there. Okay? So whatever it is that we're going through, and I, this, is not an, this right here is not an encouraging thought. I, I, I want you to know that the problem, the care, the burden, whatever the, whatever the enemy is, the problem, the care, the burden that's affecting you, I, I know it's not this specific thing, but it's whatever it is, was waiting for you. For the enemy, it's not new. They were planted there. They're waiting for you. Now, that's, that's not an encouraging thought. But you know, the chariots and the horses and the angels were waiting on the enemy. They were there first. And so whatever it is, it doesn't really matter what the enemy is, really. It doesn't matter if it's the Syrians or if it's a financial issue or if it's a health issue or if it's a relationship issue. It doesn't really matter what the enemy is. What I want, you to, I want you to leave the Lord's house today seeing things differently. And I'm going to ask, and I have been asking, and I'm going to continue to ask and pray that the Lord would open not just your eyes, but my eyes and help me to see the situation just as it is. Matt, let's go on to the next uh, thing, screen. We're, all, we're always walking in on what God is already doing. The work of God does not start with you, it will not end with you. We, you're, we are always walking in on what God is already doing. So I don't care whatever the situation is, God was already there before it ever happened to you, before it ever came to you, before the enemy ever surrounded you. God was already there waiting for the enemy and waiting for you. So sometimes I'm, I know how it is. I know very well how I'm human just like you. So often I'll pray and ask, God, do, do you see what's going on here? God, what are you going to do? God, what are you going to do about this? God, is there anything that you can do? I need you to pay attention right here. God, is there anything you're, what can you do? God, is there, in, are you going to do anything? And here's where I need you to see that the biblical truth of it is, is, is not that we need God to do something or ask him to start doing something or God, where are you? The biblical truth is, it's not that he needs to do something, it's that he's already doing it. I want you to see that. He's already doing it. Matt, I'm going to step down. I just about fell right there. He's already doing it. I know how it is, and I know how you feel, and I know that if you don't see it just right, it looks like God needs to do something. He is doing something. You're just not seeing it. He is already at work. He was there before it ever came to you. He, he was there before you ever came. He's always been there. He always will be there. You're never going to get ahead of him. With God, you're always catching up. See, the question is, Lord, Master, what shall I do? 
The question is not, not, not about, oh, what does God need to do? He's already doing it. Let's take salvation, for instance. What does God need to do for you to be saved? Nothing. He's already done it. It's already done. So the question of your salvation is not about what God shall do. And, I, and this is not really a salvation message, but it, it applies so the question of your salvation is, is not what God needs to do in your life, what more God needs to do. He's already done it. Jesus has already hung on that cross. Jesus has already paid that price. The question is not, God, what do you need to do? What does Jesus need to do? It's already done. He's done it. It's you. It's you that needs to move. It's you that needs to say yes. Oh, but God need, no, God doesn't need to do anything more. He's already done it, and He's doing it right now. But I'm asking you to open your mind and open your eyes that, that you might see this truth. That it's not God that needs to go to work. He's already at work. It's not God that needs to move. He's already moving. It's you. God opened His eyes that He might see. Even Old Testament folks, what did you, I realize that they came before Christ, but John in the book of Revelation said that the Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world, before Adam and Eve ever sinned. It was already planned, it was already known, it was written that Jesus would die for their sins. So in that sense, it's already done. In that sense, God's already there. So we're always walking in on what God is already doing. Now here it is. So, what's that mean? We need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to where we can see that. I want you to believe the truth, but now I want you to start acting on that truth. Whatever it is, it's either an issue of desperation. God, I'm just desperate. I need you to do something. He's already doing it. That's what I need you to believe. I need you to believe and act on God's word. God, I need you to do something. He's already doing it. God, I need you to show up. He's already showed up. Just the practical truth. Sometimes, and I, we're getting better at it than we used to be, but sometimes we'll pray, Lord, we invite you, we ask you to come into our midst. You know the truth of that, right? He's, he's already here. You know the truth of when you walked in the door, he's waiting for you here, right? He doesn't need to come here. You try to kick him out. You see, you see how that goes. I, I don't like, I, I, I understand it, and I'm probably going get to get a lot of letters for this one, but I don't like the connotation of when we say that we kick God out of school. I get it. I believe in prayer in school. I wish we still had prayer in school. But when prayer was officially, legally taken out of school, I don't like the connotation. I don't like the way it sounds of we kick God out of school. Just try to do that. Okay? And, and I like the old joke, as long as there's tests, there will be prayer. Okay? You can't stop anybody from praying. You can't do it. How do you legally stop anybody from praying? Try it. You tried to stop me from praying. 
Well, we'll throw you in jail. Well, <laughs> then I'm really going to pray. You can't kick God out of anything or anywhere. And there's nowhere you can go that he's not there before you. So when you walked into First General Baptist Church, he was already here waiting for you. Say, man, I'm glad to see you. I knew you were coming. <laughs> when I stepped, my wife and I are so poor. We're the only people in church who have to walk to church. <laughs> when I stepped out of my door, I can feel the Holy Spirit walking with me. I can feel the Holy Spirit walking with me, step by step. When I falter a little bit, he reaches down, come on, come on, come on. I'm ahead of you. I'm ahead of you. I'm not going to leave you be behind. When we sang the songs, I can feel, there's a line of the song about holding, I can feel the Holy Spirit holding me up. Come on, you can, you can do this. I'm right there with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. We're always walking in on what God is already doing. And I know some of you have lost faith in that. I know you have. I can feel that. Some of you have lost faith in that. I, be, I believe what you're saying, but I'm, a, I'm, I'm having a hard time living it right. That's why we're here at church. This is where it starts. We realign our mind. We get our eyes set back right again. We start looking at things the way they really, really are. There really was a Syrian army surrounding the town, of, the, the, the town of Dothan. But there really was an army of angels that were so many more than the Syrians were. Just most people can't see it. But Elisha could. That's next week. Next week, hopefully, it'll be Elisha, the servant, and the enemies. This week is God is already there. I'm just, I need you to begin to see it and to have faith in that and to operate in that and to shift your focus and to shift your mind towards that. And not only to believe it in your mind, but begin to believe it in your heart. Man, I'm, go Pastor, you don't know. I don't. I don't. Been proved, I, it's proved to me last week, this has been proved to me over and over again. Stuff that I thought was going on, I had no idea. I never, I never want to show anybody that I'm shocked. But last week I was shocked. I didn't let them see it. Stuff that I thought was one way, it was another way. I just couldn't see it. There's so much going on that you can't see. Lord, open our eyes a little bit. God, help me to see every student in the room. You may need the Holy Spirit to open your eyes where you see school, your friends, your teachers. Every teacher in the room, maybe you need the Holy Spirit to open your eyes where you see your students differently. God, help me to see the way it really is. Every husband in the room may need their eyes open to see their wife the way, she, the way God sees her, what's really going on. Wives may need to see their husbands the way it's really 
going on, not what, you know, people want you to see. Parents and children, children and parents, all relationships, the issues, all the burdens, all the stuff that gets a hold of us and surrounds us. We need to go from desperation to direction. Lord, I need to get a hold of this, this desperate situation I'm in. And I need you to open my eyes and help me to see the way it really is. And then, Master, what shall I do? Lord, now what do you want me to do? Since I see it the way it really is, now, Lord, what do you want me to do? Let's, uh, I want the musicians to come on up and we're going to pray. What would you choose? We're, we're debating on a song and they're leaving it up to me. Aaron, I'm going to put you on the hot spot. We've got, we're going to sing It Is Well Again or I Need a Savior. The second one? The first one. The first one. Now, Tony says the second one. We're going to do the first one. I, I didn't ask Tony. <laughs> if, you're a, if you're a visitor here today, I don't want you to think it's always like this. Just like every other week, okay? Stand with us if you would. Let's do it as well again. Okay. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and let the Holy Spirit have his way. I really get fooled because I think I know what's going on, but then it's not that. Stuff's going on in your life that no one else can see, but the Holy Spirit's right there with you, and there's nothing going on with you that he does not see. There's nothing going on with you that he does not care about, that he's not involved in, and that he cannot help you with. I'm going to ask you to go from desperation to direction. I'm going to ask you to come today and lay your burden and your care and your desperation on an altar or a seat. And say, Lord, here it is. I'm asking you to take this and help me to see this the right way. And Master, what would you have me do? Master, what would you have me do? I'm bringing my life and my care and my burden and my desperation to you. Master, what would you have me do? If you need to come and pray while they sing, we invite you to come.
Seas that are shaken and stirred Can be calmed and broken for my regard And through it all, through it all My eyes are on you And through it all, through it all It is well And through it all
eyes are on you and through it all through it all it is well lord and through it all through it all my eyes are on you and it is well